Well, it's my privilege to share with you today from the Word of God. Pastor Daniel has been giving us uh, some wonderful messages from the book of Acts. And so we're in the book of Acts, chapter number 8. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, that's where we're at today. We're going to be talking about scattered. And uh, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. He's a historian. Uh, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he also wrote the book of Acts. And as a historian, he looked back on things. He wasn't necessarily there, uh, not even in Acts chapter 8 that I understand. He joined the, uh, the apostles later on as they traveled, especially Paul. Uh, but he heard the stories, and he wrote down those stories. And today I'd like to talk about being scattered, uh, because that's what happened in the book of Acts. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But in case you don't notice this, uh, that is a uh, flower that grows in my yard. And I'm out there every week taking my little thing that my wife bought me and digging them up and trying to get rid of them. But this served as a good illustration today of being scattered. When, when, it only takes them a couple of days until the seeds develop and then you got more planted. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to scatter us. Here, we're gathered together. But when you leave this house, you go out and you're scattered into the world to be seeds toward planting God's word in other people's lives. And let me tell you, it doesn't take long necessarily. Just a few days and they come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's how this church has been built, by people telling people how wonderful and how great God is. Amen. So looking here at chapter number 8, starting uh, here in verse number 4, I mean uh, number, number 1, it says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting uh, him, that was uh, <clears throat> Stephen, to death. And on that day... A great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And I just want to stop there and say they were all scattered, except the apostles. What's the matter with the apostles? Didn't they hear what Jesus had to say? Uh, yeah, they did, but they were uh, ingrained in the Jewish culture. Many of the Hellenistic Jews had come from all other places during the day of Pentecost, and they had found a home in Jerusalem. I mean, they, they, they're just going to stay. I mean, they came for the feast, and then God poured out his Holy Spirit, and they came alive in Jesus. They got saved, and they didn't ever want to leave Jerusalem. And that's a problem. Whenever you're getting blessed in a certain area, and you just feel comfortable there, God comes along and he says, you need to be scattered a little bit. <laughs> you need to find some other place to go and, and to give life to others. And so even persecution brings that about. He scatters his church. A great day of persecution began on that day there in Jerusalem. <clears throat> if you go up here to um, then another verse in verse 4. It says, therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Luke is a historian and he says, those then that have been scattered went about preaching the word of the Lord. Who were the preachers? They were the apostles, right? They were the ones that had been trained by Jesus and so they're the ones that should have left. But they didn't leave. They stayed in Jerusalem. 
they were maybe too comfortable in Jerusalem. I don't know. I don't know the reasons for this. We'll, we'll ask them someday when we get to heaven. But it says that all of the rest of them were scattered. And that's everybody else that wasn't ingrained in the, in the culture of Jerusalem. And so those were the ones that went out. Are you the those? Yeah? Any Jewish people here? You're not in Jerusalem anyway, so you're, you're part of the those. You've already been scattered. All right. Okay, those have been scattered. They went out preaching the word. Now, I think that, that Luke had in mind that he had some stories to tell about those that have been scattered. Why he picked Philip, I'm not really sure, except it was a great story. And he tells another story about Philip later on in this chapter. So he's choosing those that he wants to follow couldn't follow everybody, so Philip is the one that he's chosen. And so the word was scattered, and that word scattered actually is an agricultural term. It uh, uh, describes planting of seeds, describes going out and, and sowing the seeds. And that's kind of what God was doing. He brought persecution along because the people weren't willing necessarily to leave Jerusalem, and he wanted them to go and scatter the seeds because his his thought was, not just in Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. That's what God has in mind, that the whole world would know that God had sent his son Jesus. And so that's where we are. Uh, now let me talk to you a little bit about witnessing because I don't want to go into Philip before we get to this. But a witness is not a trained person, but one who is qualified on the basis of their personal experience. You don't have to be trained to be a witness. Now I know that there are classes from time that we even teach here as to how to convey your faith uh, effectively to other people. But the best thing that you have is your experience with Jesus. What you've seen, what you've heard, what you know about God. And that's what John says later on. John says what we have, have seen and what we have heard, we declare to you. And so if you've seen, if you've heard anything about Jesus, you are ready to go. How many are ready to go? I don't know where the rest of you are. I can see you. <clears throat> but that's what God has given to us. Now, if you know that Christ came, and if you know something about his life, and you know that he died for our sins, and if you know that he rose from the dead, if you know just those four things, you're fully equipped as the best preacher in this world. You really are. You have the authority, you have the ability to share the gospel with other people. It's not complicated. Sometimes we think, oh, I, I don't know whether I should tell this person, I don't know whether I should tell that person. No. God says go and share. And so pray every morning when you get up. And say, Lord, what appointments do you have for me today? You know that person that was really driving me crazy at work? Can you give me a nice word for that person? Can you bring it into an opportunity where I can even share the gospel with them? And I know when we come to talk about witnessing, it's very difficult sometimes for people in the church to say, I'm ready to go do that. But let me tell you, God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. All of those <laughs> he wants to send forth. Wherever you go to work, wherever you go to school, whatever you do in your community, God wants to use you to impact the world around you. 
He loves the world. Says God so loved the world. Question, do you love the world? Do you love people? If you love God, what's the second most important thing? Love others like God has loved you. And so it's all about loving God and loving one another. Well, there are three events with people that he goes on and talks about in the beginning of this chapter. And I want to quickly just go through those three events with you and talk about those people because Luke the historian picks them out. Why, I don't know, but we'll talk to him when we get to heaven. But here's what we have today. First of all is Philip, verse number five. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in the city. There's Philip, that's what he did. He left because of the persecution, and he went to Samaria. I don't know if that's where he came from, but that's where he went, into Samaria, and he began to proclaim the gospel, and as he did so, just the preaching of the gospel brought freedom to people that were delivered from demons. Even during the preaching, the, the devils came out of them. That's kind of scary, isn't it? They came out with a loud shout. Anybody been in a situation like that? No, well, let me tell you, I have. And it's, it's sometimes a scary thing. We were in a Bible college one day. <clears throat> we were in chapel worshiping God. And all of a sudden, this one girl let out a, a piercing scream that I can only say just kind of went right through you. I said, what is going on here? So we took her in my office. And three or four of us teachers sat down with her and began to talk with her and found out that even though she's in Bible school, even though she had received Christ as Savior, there were things in her past that she had never been delivered from. And we found a great opportunity sharing the gospel with her, and she was set free. What a wonderful experience that was. Scary for me even because that, that scream went right through you like nothing else could do. But let me tell you, it's okay. God's in control. Whenever demons start manifesting, you can guarantee that God's doing something. So don't be frightened by it. Just say, okay, God, what are you doing here? How are you gonna deliver this person? Because he's already in the process of delivering them. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Okay, now that I've scared half of you half to death, uh, let's look at the word of God. This is what Philip did, <clears throat> that he uh, was accepted by the crowds. He was preaching great sermon. Unclean spirits came out. People were healed, and there was much rejoicing. Whenever God moves, there's great rejoicing. I don't know about you, but when you came to Christ, was it some kind of a joy that God gave you in the heart? That's what happens. And when you testify to other people and you see other people come alive in Christ, there's nothing better than that. There really isn't until we get to heaven to see Jesus. But to see people set free, to see people brought into the kingdom of God, that is a great, great experience. The second person we find here, the second event is Dear Simon, down in verse number nine. It says, now there was a man named Simon who formerly was, was practicing magic in the city 
and astounding the, pe the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from the smallest to the great, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And when they were giving him attention, because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts, but when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. And then it says in verse 13, even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he was uh, observed the signs and the great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. That's Philip. He was constantly amazed at what was happening. So he began to actually follow after Philip. He believed, it says in the word of God. It says that he was baptized. It says that he was following Philip, and he was constantly amazed. <clears throat> As we observe the signs and the great things that God does, I think everybody is amazed. I've been amazed sometimes that people have come to church, and, and they hear the songs, they see the excitement of the worship team, and they say, wow, this is not a church that I've ever been a part of. What's going on in this place? And people begin to sense the rejoicing, begin to sense the, the presence of God, and begin to say, this is just absolutely wonderful. And I think that we have a church that's absolutely wonderful. We have people that are absolutely wonderful in this place, and exciting to, to see them stand and worship and, and even dance. How many danced this morning, by the way? Few of you, yeah. I'm getting older, so my feet kind of stuck to the floor, but... <laughs> In my heart, I was dancing with you, okay? Uh, but God brings us rejoicing whenever we come into the things of God. If we're to leave Simon right there, he would be a great testimony to God's deliverance and God's kingdom. But we're not gonna leave him there. We're gonna take a detour before we get there because the third event has to do with the apostles as they heard what was happening up in Samaria. It says there in verse 14, now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, uh, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Something very important in the book of Acts here that God wants to bring out, and he does it five different times in the book of Acts, where people come to know the things that God is doing among them. And he pours out his spirit upon the people. And we find even back in Acts chapter number, <clears throat> number uh, two, verse number four, that he pours out the Holy Spirit upon the people that are gathered there on the day of Pentecost. No one had experienced that before. And so it says that they begin to speak in other tongues. In fact, uh, if you read the book of Acts in chapter number two, there are 18 different languages that the people had never learned that they were praising God in. I mean, we had two this morning. And the second one was a little hard for me. But I'm learning, I'm trying to get a hold of that and, and worship in that because in heaven, I don't know if we're gonna have one language or not. The Norwegians used to say it's all gonna be in Norwegian. But... <laughs> The Latinos say it's all gonna be in Latin. So I, I don't know how it's gonna be, but I know that we're gonna understand everything. And you're not gonna have to learn a second or third or fifth language. You're gonna know all of it because you're gonna be like Jesus and he knows everything. Amen. 
That sound good? Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. I can't wait to get there. It's, it's just such a wonderful place that we're on our way. We're on our way. And uh, no division is going to happen there. Well, there in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Wonderful things happened. Here in Acts chapter 8, we find the Holy Spirit being poured out. Peter and John come up from Jerusalem, lay hands on the people that believe, and been baptized, and they received the Holy Spirit. And... Simon saw these things, and we'll get there in just a minute, but let me take you to Acts chapter 9, verse 17. It says there that Saul received the Holy Spirit. When he was knocked off his animal, he was on his way to persecute the church, and Jesus came and he says, why are you persecuting me? Now that's an interesting statement, because he wasn't persecuting Jesus, he was persecuting believers. But when you persecute believers, you're really persecuting Jesus because Jesus lives inside of us, doesn't he? And so that was what was going on. Jesus was being persecuted, and God turned Saul around, blinded him for a couple of days until Ananias came to him and laid hands on him, and it says that he prayed for him and scales fell from his eyes, and it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't see him speaking in tongues there. We don't see him bringing any of those prophetic type of things out of his mouth at that time. But we see that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't think that, that, that Paul or Saul spoke in tongues that day, later on when he writes to the Corinthians, they were getting carried away with their tongues and interpretations and all of that. They were speaking in tongues in every service. And he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. So somewhere along the line, he, he had this ability to speak this unknown language to God, praising him and honoring him. And so that's here in, in chapter 9. In chapter 10, Cornelius, maybe you know the story about Cornelius. Read it there. Verses 44 through 46, it says that even while Peter was preaching the word, Peter didn't lay hands on them, he's just preaching the word of God to them. It says the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy and Peter looked at the friends with him and he said, what's going on here? Even the Gentiles are receiving what we received? And they thought, well, we better baptize them in water. <laughs> they kind of jumped ahead. They, they, they weren't even baptized in water yet. God kind of mixes this whole thing up. But the thing that he continually comes back to is being filled with the Holy Spirit. When we come to Jesus Christ, it's important for us to know him. And so we, we put you to death, and over here in the baptismal pool, like we did last week, we bury you. And you need to understand, after being buried, you're no longer alive. It's Christ who lives within you. And our whole life has changed, and we begin to do things that maybe we've never done before. He changes us from the inside out, and we begin to live a different life because we're a different person. Now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory that begins to order your day and order your week and order your events and order even your, your desires. He changes all kinds of things within us because now it's him that's living within us. Acts chapter 19, Paul comes to the Ephesian church. He's talking to these 12 guys and he says there, by the way, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Because that's part of the message. And he they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean you haven't heard of the Holy Spirit? He says, what have you heard? What, how were you baptized? Oh, we were baptized with John's baptism. 
John's baptism, that's a baptism unto repentance. He then preached Jesus to them, and they received Jesus as their Savior, and he baptized them in water again. Now, not into repentance, but in the name of Jesus. You're dead now, and you belong to Jesus. And after that, it says that he laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the process that we need to understand in Christianity. It's not just coming into a service like this and being aware that, wow, God is in this place. Yeah, he is, but God wants to be in each one of us. He wants to change our lives. He wants to bring us to a place where we surrender everything to him. And as you begin to surrender everything to him, we want you to go to the waters of baptism. There's some of you in this place that haven't yet been baptized in water. Silence. Take the step. I mean, you're coming to church. You believe in Jesus. Why not do the whole thing? Why not get baptized? Why not surrender totally to him? Let me tell you, things will happen if you follow the word of God. And then after you're, well, I don't know when the Holy Spirit's come. Maybe you've already been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's why you don't think you need water baptism. But let me tell you, after you've been baptized in water, if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, Pastor Daniel will, play, will lay hands on you and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you. And everybody said, well, Amen. <laughs> We are a charismatic church. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that you can be changed. We believe that God wants to send you forth into the world to proclaim the message of who he is. He wants you to be scattered. Hallelujah. Some people are gathering their courage now. Shall I be baptized? <laughs> Shall I move on to being filled with the Holy Spirit? I say, yes, yes. Give everything to Jesus. Why come to church and only get halfway to heaven? Why not experience everything that God has for you? He has it all. The more that you give to him, the more that he's going to give to you. You come to that place of, Lord, I need to die to myself, and I need to live to you. And that's what this whole experience is about. Well, after that wonderful experience of them laying hands upon these people, we get back to Simon. It says in verse number 18, now when Simon saw that the spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. This reminds me of what I used to do. I'm the great power of God. They're doing something I've never done. Maybe I can buy this gift from them. And he said to himself in verse 19, give this authority to me as well so that everyone on which I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. That sound like a good thing? Ooh. The prophecy that follows after that is very convicting. Peter then turns to him and says, may your silver perish with you. That's pretty strong. He says, you're going to perish and your soul is going to perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Our thinking process sometimes gets in the way of our spiritual response to God. And sometimes we think too much. Have you ever been in time of prayer and a thought just comes to you that you've never had before and you know it's from God? And it just encourages your heart. 
the thoughts that he gives to us, look for those, especially when you take time alone with God. He wants to give you his thoughts. But here he said, your thoughts, you thought you could obtain the very gift of God. Verse 21, you have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. If possible. Now, was Peter saying that may not be possible? My goodness. If possible, this might be. He says, for I see in verse 23, I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. I don't know, when I read this here, Simon had believed the, pro- the, the preaching about Jesus. He had been baptized. He had given his life. He followed Philip around. And it says there was great rejoicing, and I think he probably greatly rejoiced until these two guys from Jerusalem came. And they did something that he had never seen. And it reminded him of his old life, and he said, Die. that's what I've been looking for. That's what this Christianity is all about. Laying hands on people and seeing them demonstrate the very glorious things of God. And Peter had a strong, strong word for him. Say, no, that's not what Christianity is about at all. Well, Simon found himself in a great place. Not a good place. Let me just say that there's a fine line between serving God and serving yourself. We as Christians, when we give our lives to Jesus, we're surrendered to him and we say, Lord, I want to serve you with all my heart. In fact, that's one of our our things here. Get in touch with God and then start serving him. Serving is a very important thing. And a few years ago, we actually changed the direction of how to become a member here. Now you actually have to begin serving on a weekend And after you've been serving for a while, we'll call you and say, would you like to be a member of Grace Point? You've been serving so faithfully. I think you're ready to take that next step and be a member. And then we have a class and we share with you what's going on in the church and how you can continue on in the fellowship that God has given here. And that's such an important thing. So who are we serving? I know I talk to some people and they just like coming to church. They like just being in the presence of the Holy Spirit, being present in the worship. But that's not what it's about. It's about a changed life. It's about dying to yourself and starting to live for other people. That's why serving is so important. And here, what this guy thought of was not so much serving God, but serving his own desires. He wanted to do something that was magnifying him. And sometimes even in our service, why are we teaching Sunday school? Why are we in the prayer meeting? Why are we uh, greeting people at the doors? Why are we serving as ushers? Why are we as deacons? We're, We're here to serve. Not because it makes me feel good. Not because, wow, now I'm really something in the kingdom. No, 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 we're nothing. Jesus is everything. And the more that we honor him, the more that life flows through us. It's humility that God is looking for, not pride. Pride is the beginning of destruction. But humility brings you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
and as we humble ourselves before him, we find the grace of God in everything that we do. Let me just give you a few thoughts that I have here. You can be religious, but not regenerated. You can talk of heaven, but not live a holy life. You can claim faith, but have no fruit. You can be baptized, but not even be born again. I talked to a young man just last week. He came up to me and he says, next time we have baptism, can I be baptized? I said, sure. Have you been baptized? What's going on? He says, I've baptized already. Well, we only baptize persons once. No, 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 you don't understand, he said. I was baptized, but not because I had faith, but my family wanted me to be baptized, so I yielded to the, I wasn't born again, but I was baptized. And now I need to be baptized, (laughs) for real. (laughs) I need to be baptized because God has come into my life. I, I, I want to respond with what God has directed me to do. And I said, sign up, go back to the, to the table back here. You sign up, we'll get you there next time uh, when we baptize people. What a wonderful thing that is. Well, these things do go on. We talk of decisions for Christ, but have you been discipled in the word of God? Word of God is so important. Reading God's word daily, getting into God's word, allowing God to change your life. That's what this is all about. So Peter goes on and speaks all of these things uh, to him, and uh, it's amazing what happens. Uh, Did he ever respond to Peter's voice? There's no record of Simon's responding with a change of heart. There's no record of Simon repenting. There's no record of Simon ever understanding how wrong his request was. There's no record, there is a record, however, of a statue that was established in Rome itself with the inscription, Simon, the power of God. And that was done a few years later. Did Simon ever respond and come back to the things of God? I don't know, didn't seem like it. He wasn't very happy with what Peter said. He, he didn't ask to be included in the Holy Spirit's outpouring. He just wanted to have the power of dispensing that to other people. There's a real difference in that. So let me just close by giving you a couple thoughts. There are two definitions of being scattered. This last week, I've had to put my pool back together. I was scattered. I went to do one thing, that didn't work. Finally got some things together, got the equipment together to put the filter on with the motor and uh, plugged it in. Nothing happened. All right, Um, and just step by step, I went and bought a new motor, which was very expensive. When I opened the box, the part that's supposed to be to the left, where the water goes, is sticking straight up. I said, oh, good grief. Uh, I'm not pleasant to be around when these things happen. <laughs> My family doesn't want to be too near me when those things happen. Uh, anyway, I read the directions. You push in on this little button, and it'll flip where it's supposed to be. I pressed as hard as I could press. <laughs> Nothing happened. I got scattered putting this pool together. Uh, That's not what I'm talking about today. If you're scattered and you lose focus, 
That's where I've been the last couple of days. But if you're scattered by the Holy Spirit to go out into the world, to go out and meet friends and relatives and neighbors and people maybe that you don't even know, you are being scattered agriculturally, planting the seeds of life in other people. That's what this is all about, planting seeds. Let me just leave you with another thought. It's not overly pleasant, but I'll end hopefully pleasantly, okay? There's a number of names in the Bible, and when I read those names, I say, oh my goodness. First of all was Judas. Didn't turn out real well. Ananias and Sapphira. Wow. Here's Simon. Not too great. There's Hymenaeus and Alexander. Caused a lot of problems for Paul. There's Philetus. There's Alexander the coppersmith. There's Demas who decided to leave the love of God. And then there's two ladies, Eodia and Synthe. I heard one preacher say, one was odious and one was soon touchy. And they weren't getting along. So he wrote to them and said, you need to get along. God is love and he wants you to love one another. Well, those names are in the Bible. And when I read through the Bible, I see all those names. I say, oh my goodness. There's a lot of problems people have. But then you come to the end of the epistles that Paul has written. And he comments one good thought after another about Tychicus, about Luke being with him, about different ones that he just lifts up and he says, pray for these brethren, pray for me, because God's doing wonderful things. You'll either be in one side or the other. Let me encourage you today. You're here this morning, and so I would think that you want all that God has for you. You want to be in a place where you receive the things that he has for you. And so if you haven't received Christ, open your heart to him. Ask him to come into your life. It's a very simple thing. Say, Jesus, I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. I need you to come and control my life. And he'll do that. And then come and get baptized. Surrender your life totally. Recognize that you've died and now you're living for Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because that empowers you to reach out and touch other people's lives. Christianity is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's because we know God and God knows us and we live in the presence of God. There's nothing better, nothing better than that. So I don't know where you're at today. I trust you're in a good place. But let me tell you, if you're not in a good place, the good place is waiting for you. Even when the apostle Peter talked to, to Simon, he says, repent of your wickedness. I mean, he was born again, seemingly. He was baptized, but his thoughts that day were off in the wrong direction. Now, I don't know what your thoughts have been telling you lately, but surrender your thought life to him and confess to him. And he's faithful, faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you of all of your sin. Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, that you've given us life and life abundantly in our Savior, Jesus Christ. You brought us things that we could never even think about from your peace and your joy and your love. Oh God, the, the fullness of what life you've given to us. We're so thankful for that. Continue to lead and guide us. Lord, make us salt, make us light. Scatter us wherever we go throughout this week as we talk to others about how great you are in Jesus' name.